how to use EFT and nature to find your balance featuring Bonnie Brindle. In this interview with Bonnie Brindle, we discover how to reestablish our connections with nature and find our balance. Bonnie includes the use of EFT, emotional freedom techniques, and evidence-based include, excuse me, evidence-based acupressure and energy therapeutic method that removes emotional blocks and reduces physical pain. EFT combines aspects of CBT, Chinese medicine, and EMDR to restore energy and flow, increasing our peace of mind. We'll discuss the importance of reconnecting with nature and how indigenous beliefs and traditions can teach us about maintaining our balance. Bonnie shares how we can discover our animal guides through guided nature visualizations and request their assistance to access their strengths that they offer. If you struggle with feeling alone and disconnected, Bonnie shares wildlife imagery and nature therapy that can help you reclaim your true nature and increase your peace. Join us for an insightful conversation on finding your balance through EFT and nature. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. I am thrilled to introduce today's guest. Miss Bonnie Brindle is a highly experienced anxiety management and equine-assisted psychotherapist who has been practicing since 2005. She is also a Colorado secondary educator, having begun her career in 1999. As a highly sensitive person, HSP, from birth, she understands the challenges of managing debilitating anxiety. Bonnie has personally struggled with panic disorders and sensory processing sensitivities, which make it possible for her to attend classes, ride on trains or planes, and I said impossible, to ride on trains and planes, sit in movie theaters, and keep up with academic requirements and deadlines. Through self-help books and various therapies like talk therapy, behavioral therapy, practicing in the setting, Al-Anon, and meditation, she was able to manage her stressors and create a more positive daily experience. Today, she helps others do the same through nature-based therapeutic education, Please help me welcome Bonnie Brindle. Hi, April. Hello, everyone. Hey, Bonnie. How are you? Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show. Thank you so much. It's a privilege to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you share your incredible journey, sort of the out of the box, non-traditional, but we are going to build awareness today. It's out of the box and non-traditional, yes, and I have made it out of the box into a much more peaceful place than the one I was in years back. 
It sounds like it. It absolutely sounds like it, especially since, you know, reading your short bio, it, it talks about you being really in a debilitative state and not being able to function properly in average societal functioning. So share with us a little bit. Let's start from the beginning. Tell us all about you. Thanks, April. Well, growing up in a highly dysfunctional family with a lot of stress is sort of the foundation for where the anxiety came from for me and certainly for others in my family. Fast forwarding through some difficult childhood issues and situations to a place where I was nervous about a lot of normal things that people do, especially those that could cause claustrophobia like being in, the, in a movie theater in the center of a row and not being able to get up and out easily, uh, going to concerts, um, being in classes. It really started, the difficulty of the sort of claustrophobic piece of that started in my sophomore year in high school. Um, I had been anxious, uh, struggling with sleep and that sort of thing through middle school and also a high achieving student at the same time, which was a, a lot of energy used. Mm -hmm. Um, but in high school, I remember in a, in a class, I think it was a health class, we were watching a video um, about a young man who had gotten drunk and driven a car and injured himself. And in my family, with the history of alcoholism from my grandfather, my dad, one of my brothers, that triggered me greatly. And at the time, I had to jump up and leave the classroom. That was the first time I really had a panic attack that I couldn't hide. Mm. Um, that everybody knew something was really weird was happening. Fortunately, my very close friend Miriam was there and was there to help me out. But that's sort of where it became public. And the agoraphobia piece of that, agoraphobia translates to fear of the marketplace. But what it means is mm. basically fear of being out in the open around other people in any con condition. So it can grow, a panic disorder can grow into that from, okay, well, I can't be in this classroom because I had a panic attack. Or then maybe I go to the bank and I'm standing in line and I start having a panic attack. Panic attack. I have to run out of there so I can't go back to that place. And so life becomes smaller and smaller for people who struggle with that unmitigated and untreated um, and can end up with people actually being stuck at home and unable to, to um, get out of that. Wow. So yes, this is something that was developing at a very early stage. Mm -hmm. I think that for many of us, it does in childhood and it just continues to get worse if we don't find those things that can help us get out of it to manage it successfully. So, and it sounds to me like you had this very good friend. Are you still friends with that person today? Yes. Miriam and I have been besties since the sixth grade. Wow. Yes. That's rare. That's wonderful. It's <laughs> rare and wonderful. I have three best girlfriends from many, many years back, and she is certainly one of them. And as a matter of fact, just a week, just a week ago, um, I was with her back east in the Boston area. Um, it was time for my mother's funeral when we buried my mom. And then we went up mm. to Cape Ann, we're Rockport and Gloucester by the beach and we stayed in a lovely inn on one of our favorite beaches. We, we both grew up there. Um, we stayed there with our husbands and had a lovely, relaxing time on the weekend after. So, yeah, she's she figures very prominently in my current world. Yeah. Oh, man, that is cool. I it's like I said, it's pretty rare to hear that where people have continued on with friendships, especially even more than one throughout so many years of life and the ups and downs and the changes and the transitions and the growth and the non-growth. So <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, so going into that, what are some of the things where you first started noticing, okay, this is something that is helping you mean the, the friendship connection helping or other things? No, when, so you talked about, you struggled very much with having these high anxieties. When did you start learning about how to navigate that? Oh, okay. Thanks. Um, well, that inc incidents in high school that I mentioned was, was quite public. And 
I just tried to hide it. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I didn't know mm. why I responded the way I did. I didn't have parents that I felt I could turn to and, and discuss it with. So I just tried to hide it. And it's very taxing on the physical and emotional self to, to do that. Um, as I sort of moved through high school and saw that my friends were all going off to college and didn't believe that that was a an option for me. I didn't believe that I had what it would take and I didn't have support for that. Um, I talked to parents of my friends and I thank goodness for them because they could see me for who I was and what my gifts were and my abilities were and really encouraged me. Um, so I did end up applying and, and getting into a college. I was very interested in Connecticut for equine studies because I'm very into horses. Um, and I was looking into equine business and all excited that I finally had figured something out. And even though my parents were, my mother especially, was not um, particularly supportive of my idea of becoming educated because that wasn't happening in the family with my siblings. She did come around to the idea of getting in the car and driving me to Connecticut. So I thank her for that and mm -hmm. getting into school. And I thought, well, this is it. I'm out of my small town. I'm away from home. I'm finally free. I can do what I was meant to do. And unfortunately, my anxiety disorder just lit up mm. when I got to school. And it became impossible for me to, to go to one class after a while and then to, to get on to the shuttle to go off to the horse barn where the, the joy of my world lived um, became impossible. And I ended up quitting college after my first semester. That was definitely the lowest point of my life. I had to go back, live with my mom and her boyfriend, um, you know, crawl back with my tail between my legs. And I thought seriously about killing myself at that time. And I know a lot of people struggle with suicidal ideation at different stages of their lives and come through that, thank goodness. But that's where I was when I, I ended up going home and then just went back to some mundane jobs and creepy old boyfriends and tried to struggle through until I got stuck at home. That agoraphobia really got to me and it became a, I can't go to the bank. I can't go to a movie. I can't go stand in grocery lines. Blah, blah. And wow. I came home one day from work at a barn where I was working with horses and I couldn't go back. I came home for lunch. I couldn't go back. I couldn't get in the car and go back. And I thought, holy cow, this isn't okay. Called Miriam. Miriam took me to work. She came and picked me up, took me back. But then I realized that I really needed help. So I got on Harvard Community Health Plan at the time, found a lovely therapist with a happy sounding name, Dr. Richard Fitzpatrick, and called because I decided that I wasn't going to leave the horses and I wasn't going to leave my friends and I needed help to take a next step. So that's really basis, the bottom from where everything has moved up and forward since then. Well, that is pretty deep and down where it's just immobilized. And so it's not, well, as far as I know, it's not too often that we get to that point, or it's hopefully just that one time period in our life where we're at the lowest of the low where we feel like we we just can't go on and we don't want to be here. We don't know how to be here. Mm -hmm. And so you were fortunate enough to reach out and you had some friends. You found a good doctor. What was some of the advice that this doctor gave you? I was really fortunate to connect with a wonderful man. I mean, I, I picked his name because it sounded happy. <laughs> <laughs> I picked a man because I had no trust in men whatsoever, mm. no relationship with my own dad. So, and I'd had re some really negative relationships with young men. Um, and so when I went to see Rich, the biggest thing that he did for me that helped me identify what my emotions were, I couldn't name them. I couldn't explain anger, frustration, sadness, um, distrust, fear. I couldn't sort of discuss what was behind those things because I didn't have language for it. And I had never had any practice with it because I'd hidden this pretty well from all but my best, best friends. 
um, and certainly from my family. So getting connected with him was really important. And something I want to make sure your audience understands about connecting with a therapist. It's like shopping. Yeah. <laughs> I was lucky in this case with this particular therapist that he worked out well for me. But it's got to be a relationship that feels good on both sides. It's got to be a relationship where you feel supported and you feel safe. Um, and it's okay if a person decides on a therapist or a therapy group and then thinks, mm, this doesn't feel quite right. It's okay to try someone else because like any other relationship, it's sometimes a trial and error to find the person best for you to work with. Yeah, absolutely. You have to connect and you have to bond in such a way to where you, the exchange of energies is in a flow where you can assist one another and, and play off of one another in a positive light. Exactly. And the book that I'm writing now, I'm just finishing the last revisions of the last chapter and the epilogue. I'm going to be turning it into Yellow Studios in Denver this month. I'm so excited to finally get it done. But the book that I'm writing, Cracking the Crazy Maker's Code, Wrestling Anxiety, to, Real Life Anxiety to Win, is about that. Um, it, there are nine short chapters in which there are vignettes of my life from the teenage years to now and examples of types of anxieties maybe that other people deal with and maybe don't recognize are happening or mm -hmm. things that we feel are acceptable or normal or just part of the way things were that don't need to be accepted that can be grown mm -hmm. through and be left behind for something better um, and it has a stop and learn at the end of each chapter for readers to reflect on how they might connect to that specific type of issue and a meditation mantra to change some of the negative thought patterns we have and action steps to take to move forward oh, that we might be stuck. That's excellent. Yeah. To redirect the thought patterns. I love that. Bonnie, do you mind explaining a few of the show tell signs of anxiety that some people might not be aware of that it is anxiety. I think that it's very possible and common for people to have and experience symptoms at various times throughout each day and not really know what it is. And, you know, if we allow that to build up, then it can come into something bigger. Do you mind telling us a little bit about what some of those might be? Oh, absolutely. Especially for someone who's trying to hide panic and stress and anxiety. Uh, let's see, I could ask my husband <laughs> and some of my friends and coworkers, and they would say impatience, um, anger, frustration. Sometimes it would come off like I'm trying to control other people, telling them how to do and what to do things, but really it's trying to control my own inner environment. Oh, geez, Bonnie, I think you just described me and my husband would agree. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, it can, it can happen. And it does, it can really look like yeah. a perfect example. Um, a good friend of mine has a lovely dog. We go in the car with the dog, go off to the, the trail to take a walk and pull into the parking lot. And as a highly responsive person with an anxiety mindset, sometimes I'm extremely aware of every detail around me at all the time. It's exhausting. And I know I'm not alone, but I, I'm the person you want watching. If right. there's gonna, something's going to happen, I'm going to be the first one to know. I'm like a horse in a herd. Like, Hey guys, we're out of here. Something's going to happen. So I pull up with a friend at the trail that she lets the dog out in the parking lot. Immediately. I want to leash on the dog because I'm worried that a car is going to come by. Mm. Not that anything's really happening, but that's how I see things. And, you know, put, let's, let's take the dog over here. And but, but immediately that becomes a feeling for maybe that person of you're trying to control me. You're trying to tell me what to do. No, I'm just trying to set up the situation so that nothing bad happens. For safety. Yeah. Yes. And that's, that's one of those things that can drive other people nuts who are more relaxed, who are like, this is cool. I got this. It's fine. There, there's no per the perceived threat is much lower than you might think. It's all good. 
but it can be frustrating. But yeah, for sort of snapping at people and getting frustrated um, and checking out. Sometimes people get really anxious. It's like, I'm in this space. I have to function in this space. And so I can't leave this right now. I'm just going to check out. And you can see, seem like you're not interested or not available to people around you. And so that's hard in a relationship. Yeah, it can be. Absolutely. Of course. And so I'm curious, what would you say, like how often some of these things would be? Because of course, as a human being, a lot of these things are going to come out naturally. I mean, we can't be robotic, right? But when we start sensing that these things are coming up more and more often, what would you say is like a healthy versus an unhealthy? A healthy versus unhealthy behavior around them? Yeah, for when these symptoms are, are showing up a little bit more as opposed to like just a natural um, you know, I'm experiencing something that's really frustrating and I'm showing that. Okay. So, you know, like when things are starting to happen more often than not, what would you say would be kind of a variation of where the boundaries of that would be or where we can start saying to ourselves, okay, this is starting to get out of hand. I understand you. Okay. So recognizing that, looking at and this this is this is difficult at first, but it's entirely possible. I'm really angry right now. What am I actually angry about? Mm. Am I really angry at this person or something else behind that? And at this point in my world, I would immediately go into tapping right away. I would tap on the meridians to to move the energy that's starting to build in negativity when I start to feel anxious or frustrated or stressed, I immediately start to tap. I also will look for anything in the environment that's natural, a tree, a bird, a bush, anything green, and focus on that. To ground look, yourself. Look at it to ground myself. Absolutely. And then in, in, my, in my book, I start to, to encourage people to use those techniques and to tell one being does not have to be a person if that doesn't feel safe. A bird in a tree, a pet you have, um, it could be a, one person that you can trust. One thing that's bothering you. I sometimes feel anxious when, or when I feel angry, sometimes it looks like, or I don't know what the hell I feel right now, but it's not okay mm. to move that out of the self and not hide it. I hid it for so many years and it was internally expensive um, to, to yeah. do that. And so to be able to express it anywhere and animals are safe, they're, they're not judgmental. They're, they are definitely my first people to talk to all the time um, to just let something out. I mean, now I'm in a place where sure, I, I, I have a, a more comfortable awareness of other people and I don't feel threatened in a way that I did earlier and younger, but it takes evolution. So yeah, the first thing I do is I start tapping my energy. Okay. So that really gives you a telltale sign of going a little bit more inward and asking, going deeper and saying, Hey, why am I feeling this? And it, it starts to slowly calm yourself down and shift that energy. And that's wonderful. We're going to go into our first commercial. When we come back, I want to talk more about animal therapy. We've got some cool photos coming ahead. So stay tuned. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested. 
through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. KimJacobsConsulting.com. You know, people say opportunity knocks on every door. No. Opportunity stands by silently waiting for you to recognize it. So I want you to recognize that this is a time for you. This is an incredible time to have your own talk show. It establishes a level of credibility. Yes. And by being exposed to people on a regular basis, it allows you to strategically begin to impact and attract your audience. She can take you in a place in yourself that you can't go by yourself. So go to KimJacobsConsulting.com. That's KimJacobsConsulting.com. Did I say KimJacobsConsulting.com? Yes, you did. Very good. Make sure you go there and sign up for the coaching. And we're looking forward to working with you. You have something special. You have greatness within you. All right. So... I want to talk a little bit more about how did you come into learning about animal therapy? Was it, did you have a pet at home? Um, I know that you talked a little bit about when you went to the stables with horses. Was it then? Please share your story about how you came into this journey. Well, I didn't realize it until fairly recently in my adult life, the very beginning the very origin of that was Charlotte's Web. The ah, book, great book. The book by Evie White, mm-hmm. the, one of the best-selling young adult authors in America of all time. I bet a lot of your audience has heard about it or vaguely remembers it or might really remember Charlotte A. Cavatica, the spider, and Wilbur the pig and Fern, the little girl who did everything she could to save Wilbur's life before Charlotte took over and wrote in her web, uh, beautiful identifying adjectives so that all the village people came along and thought, oh, this pig is magic. We can't make him dinner. Um, (laughs) And so that's how Fern saved him. But when I was a young kid, I read Charlotte's web and Charlotte became sort of a, We've used the term imaginary friend. Um, People think of another person. Charlotte was a wildlife imagery piece for me that I didn't realize I developed as a little kid. Mm. Um, And when I would, things would be stressful at home and I would feel alone and anxious, I would talk to Charlotte in the back of my head and I would write things in her web in my mind. And I, in my book, I, I went through, and if you haven't read Charlotte's web or if you read it many years ago, please go back and read it again. E.B. White, the author, his philosophy of life is woven all through that book Mm -hmm. and comes out in the animal's speech. And it just knocked me out as an adult to read that and and how beautiful and well-crafted the writing is, but just the way he looked at life. So in the book that I've written, in every chapter, there's at least one quote from Charlotte's Web that connects to what the chapter is about. And also credit to James Harriet, the British veterinarian who wrote all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful, all things bright and beautiful. And also there's there's a PBS, Mm -hmm. if you're interested in him, it's a PBS show, um, all creatures great and small that has been redone recently that I just enjoyed watching and made my husband mostly suffer through. Wait a minute. If you had him suffer through it. Oh, the hockey game. The audience, they're going to enjoy it when their husband suffers through it. Oh, it's, it's great. It's great. The, the vignettes that the story, his, his thing is telling real life stories of his experience as a vet in the late 30s and into the 50s um, in Darrowby, England. in in the area of Yorkshire. And they're just fantastic stories are great. So between that and Charlotte's Web, those were my anchors as a kid to kindness and respect for animals, to recognition of the power and messages that they have for us. And that carried me into, you know, into my teen years where, you know, we always had a dog, we had 
oh good lord my brothers had um orphaned raccoons until the authorities took those away um, <laughs> wow <laughs> there were always you know bees and geese and all kinds of animals around but um and horses i have been absolutely in love with horses since I was a little kid. I don't have a lot of memories of being really young, but I remember being about four and going to the Santa Claus parade in my town. And all I cared about was the horses going by. Yeah. And then my mom took me to a zoo in Massachusetts at maybe six or seven. And I, when I saw the mounted police, I, that was it. I really didn't need to go anywhere else except to stare at this horse the mounted police was policeman was riding. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I was 10, I was very fortunate. My sister's friend, her name was Carol. She worked at the local stable and knew I was absolutely obsessed. And no one in my family had any interest in horses whatsoever. She took me on a trail ride when I was 10 and the world, the earth tilted at that moment, my entire life changed. And, you know, lots of girls fall in love with horses and follow that through their teen years. And they don't usually get to be 61 and have their own horse and still be completely obsessed with them. But that's <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. When was the point when you started really learning or, you know, finding the interest in the messaging behind animals and what what they stand for and what they tell you and what they just all of the meaning, the juicy meaning that is behind those experiences when we when we come into contact with them and what messages they may be sending us. Well, I've always been an outdoor nature oriented person. I spend a lot of time in nature and I started really listening to the birds and watching other animals and seeing foxes and deer and just really thinking about how they survive where they do because they're constantly put upon by humans right and when i started to really open to that and just spend time really quietly meditating in nature i started hearing a lot more that i had the guidance of you know harriet's writing and and eb white's writing and the dogs that i had as a kid and the horses i was connected to they were always where i felt safe and comfortable and real. Like I was a huge, hugely anxious child and was always looking for grounding. And whenever I was around the animals, there it is. So being out in nature, I really started to hear it. And then I started to ask for it. Any of you out there, can you help me with, I need some mm -hmm. energy for, I'm feeling powerless about and I started to hear things that most people don't hear. And I thought, wow, this is a gift. Something's happening here. And so I did begin to study. And there are folks, let me show you a couple little things here. Folks who've spent their lives writing and talking about animals, and wildlife. Mm -hmm. This particular book, there's a lot of, um, a lot of ideas about how to shape shift oneself how to become the animals we're interested in and ask for their guidance and also plants and trees and other landscapes that um, Andrews talks about. Well, yeah, everything has life. And I, I get excited. There's so much information out there. So I can't possibly ever say that I'm up to date because I am not. And we're always learning and evolving. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's new documentaries about how, the world and the plants are all so connected and communicate together. And it's just incredible. All that energy is happening around us every yeah. day, all day. Yeah. And we think that the, the, to our detriment, we have disconnected from that. And when you look around, I, I know in conversation, everyone in America, I know talks about, Oh, the pandemic, the stress, the environment, the economy, the politics, the polarization, blah, 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 about how we're all more stressed out than we used to be. People are angry. People are driving fast. I mean, all the things. And largely, it's because we've disconnected from our origins. Mm. And I will say this as a non-Indigenous person with no cultural experience of the Indigenous, with all the respect to Indigenous populations who 
are all different from each other. Different nations have different cultures, different traditions. So I don't want people to feel like it's okay to lump indigenous people into a box. But indigenous Americans in particular, I'll speak for that, have all a connection to nature that people who are not within those cultures don't seem to have. Mm. And they have a mutual respect for, for wildlife, for wild places, for the energy of nature that a lot of us don't possess. And that is what drives me to create what I do to help other people get reconnected. It's all of all of that belief and that understanding that we're all connected. Every one of us is, is an energetic being. Yeah, um, just watch Avatar, people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they did a beautiful job at showing that, I feel. And wow. um, man, watching at least like the last one too that they created, it just the vibrations on my body, just like feeling what they were feeling was so cool. I was so pleased with how they depicted that. And so the ways for people to tap into that, it sounds to me, Bonnie, like you first discovered that when you started just sitting with yourself, feeling into your surroundings and asking and, and really starting to hone in on the energy of life around you. Is that what you would say is a great first step for people to, to come back into that awareness? Absolutely. And so that was definitely done with the nature that was available to me at the time in Massachusetts and now in Colorado. And there's, it doesn't have to be out in the wilds. It can be a park a backyard, um, a, a, a bunch of plants, just anything that is growing naturally around you and mm -hmm. functioning naturally around you is enough of an environment to be in. Um, and then as I started to really call for that um, assistance, I started applying it specifically to situations and stressors that I was dealing with. And here's an example. Um, I needed a full MRI some years ago. Um, full spine, you know, all the way in the tube, baby. Um, there's no way in God's green earth I'm going to do that without drugs. I really didn't want to have to take anything to do it. If you've never mm -hmm. been in an MRI machine, they are loud. There's a, the, the ceiling comes down like this. Yeah, it's it's scary. Really, scary. really scary. And some people can handle it. And that's great. Someone who has an anxiety and, and agoraphobia, <laughs> not so much. Yeah. So I thought, well, I really need some help with this. And I called upon Wolf for protection. And I called upon Mustang Horse for grace and power to get myself in and to be able to stay there. And so when I literally went into the MRI, the two of them, Wolf on this side, Mustang on this side, I actually had my hands on them. I could feel the fur of the wolf, mm -hmm. the hair of horse, and I just stayed right with them. The whole time I was lying there, I just conversed with them. I asked them for guidance. I asked them for energy. I looked at them in ways at, very specifically at the their beauty of each of these animals. And it's just like having a conversation with the two of them while I was in there. And I was able to, also with the little doorbell they give you to ring in case you really panic, which was lying on my belly, <laughs> able to stay in that thing for all of that time. And when I came out, I thought, I have to teach people how to do this. Yeah, because it is brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing that imagery, because that's exactly what you're creating is an imagery of something that you feel is more powerful than you at the time that will give you strength. You just soak in their energy and their strength in order to get you through. Similar things with when people say to think about the, the people in your life that you really look up to, that you adore. And who do you want to be like? Who do you want to be? And animal energy is no different. You know, they have strengths and powers in different ways that we do not. And if we want to tap into that, then here we go. Let's start thinking about that and holding them 
you know, side by side in order to draw in that. That is so cool. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. And, you know, when we think about, oh, well, you know, nature, yeah, it's lovely. And, you know, I'm not really that connected to it. Take sports teams for a minute. Sports teams. What do we call them? Eagles, Ravens, Cougars, yeah. Tigers, Bears. Idioms we use all the time, comparisons of ourselves. Sly as a fox, quick as a rabbit, strong as an ox. Yeah. All of these things that we are, we're yearning, we're searching for that connection all the time. And we don't even realize it. Like, okay, if you want a, a, a sports team or, um, oh, and, and the, the occurrences in nature, there's the Colorado avalanche, there's the hurricanes, the heat, the thunder. Mm -hmm. right? We're, it, all of that is within us. It is our origin, is it where we came from. And all these trappings around that we do now with computers and cars and coffee machines and all of it is just added stuff to who we really are inside. And when we can hold on to that connection and recognize that we're driven by it and everything we do becomes a lot easier to accept. Um, at this time, I have, I have had specific wild animals come in for certain things to help me out. Uh, a client once, here's a quick one of a client, had a terrible fear of sharks, same age as I am saw Jaws when she was 12, just like I did. I left the theater. I was terrified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of people are afraid to go in the water now, right? Because of Jaws. She developed an incredible phobia of sharks. At so, so much so that she couldn't swim in a lake. Yes, mm -hmm. she knows there's no sharks in a lake. Doesn't matter. Couldn't swim in a pool. Yes, she knows there's no sharks in the pool. Still can't go in. So we explored together several environments. And this is also a way people can start just being quietly peaceful and imagining natural environments that you're attracted to. Maybe a beach, maybe a temperate forest, maybe an African savanna, maybe the desert. And just open yourself to what wildlife lives there just to see it, mm. just to ask for guidance while you're there and to see which appear. When we're open, they'll show. And what showed up for this young woman was dolphin. Because dolphin is dolphins are very community oriented. They, mm. they exist in pods. And in a group, as a pod, dolphins can defeat a shark any time, hands down. Mm -hmm. So this woman would surround herself with her pod of dolphins and was able to go back to a pool and eventually swim in a lake again because they were with her and she had that power. You could tell oh. her all day there was no sharks in the lake, didn't make any difference. She needed the power of the wild to go back in there and, and recognize that she was safe and protected. Those stories are very powerful and incredibly shifting, right? You know, you, you change a person's complete perspective on something where they can move forward and carry on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And for myself right now, I've called on specific animals for specific needs. Um, and this particular gentleman's book has a lovely list of that. What, what need, what, what thing are you working on? Uh, what specific animals to call upon? It's very helpful. Um, but I have six right now. And before we go on the show today, I sat and meditated and asked them all to show up and show themselves and help people to hear from them. I have wolf and Mustang still. I have dragonfly, bighorn sheep, ram, mm. hawk, and snake. Hawk is my global picture to mm. see. Snake what? clears the path in front of me. Ram helps me to lift myself higher as, I, as I'm moving into whatever I'm interested. Dragonfly is supporting my transformation from where I've been to where I'm going. Mm. And all of them are consulted anytime I need assistance to move forward with something, especially things that make me nervous. I love that, Bonnie. Are you speaking publicly? Publicly? I mean, I know this is a big feat, even being on a show during live, right? Sure. And But, you know, as we start to move on and get the message out, we have to have this sense of bravery and getting outside of our comfort zone 
and so this must help exceptionally when it comes to things like that. Absolutely. Um, I remember in the seventh grade, my history teacher made everybody speak. And as a teacher, I've been very, um, when I work in classrooms in the past, very careful of how I helped kids get to a place where they could speak aloud in a classroom because some are terrified like I was back then. I remember I would I would write notes and sign my mother's name. Um, I'd hide in the bathroom, anything to avoid speaking in public. And now I'm really quite comfortable doing it. Um, and that, that is a huge leap, as, as you mentioned. Um, but getting to that place took a lot of practice. So yes, I do speak. And I have been a therapist for many years in the state of Colorado. As a therapist, I'm limit, limited to the state. So I began coaching and I've decided that um, with input, and I would love some from your audience to find out what it is they want to learn. I can write a course based on what I've done, but I want input from people so I can know what to target and what they want to learn. But I have decided and I have begun um, writing a six week introductory course and then there'll be a level two, et cetera, in how to use wildlife imagery. And that'll be online so that I can reach lots of people who want to um, develop the, these ideas and help themselves move forward. So yeah, I'm going real public with all of it. And you're right, being, being in this venue was something I wouldn't have been able to do at a different time in my life. I wouldn't have been able to even go into a room with a stage and shut the door with all those people. Never mind, get up on the stage and be the center of attention. Right. So, you know, I'm I'm just the average person like everybody else. It can be done. It can Bonnie, be done. what is an animal that is um, getting a lot of reverb? What is an animal that's really good for just that? Something where you have to be the center of attention. And so you have to exhibit this you know, professionalism and this clarity and this excitement for an audience? There are several um, that sort of like to show themselves. And one that just came to me um, is meadowlark. So here mm -hmm. in Colorado, we have the bird meadowlark. Yeah. Um, very lovely, very lovely spotted little bird with the, the uh, triangle chest. Well, that sounds. See them a lot. They hop up on the fences and you know, singing away, like right in your face, you know, if you get too close, of course, they'll fly off, but they're very bold. They seemingly very bold birds and they just mm -hmm. get up and make all kinds of racket to get attention. Usually of a female because the male makes the most noise, but that one just came, came up to me. And that when I see them, they, they look almost like they're sitting up very straight, you know, very proud look about them. So that one just messaged me like, yeah, look at me. I got it. This is how you stand up and be on stage, be a meadowlark. And that's one I would look into if I were um, working in that space and wanted to be able to speak, I would go into looking up meadowlark. Bonnie, that was a perfect example of your show and tell of how this works and how you operate and guide people on finding those animal guides. So thank you so much for sharing. I'm going to bring in, um, well, I have a comment. Let's bring in this comment. Manly says, Tony Robbins talks about anchoring in a way this seems to align. I don't completely understand, but it makes sense to focus outside of ourselves. <sighs> align, an anchor two words that make a lot of sense. Anchoring is what anxious people need. Grounding in nature, asking for the help and guidance of the animals with specific powers, grounding oneself through EFT, through removing blocks of negative energy before we can bring in the positive. Um, and then meditation. I, I, I do a conglomeration of meditations for myself that involves uh, using a, a rain or mist that comes down through the body to cleanse and then pulling energy from the earth up as if a tree to ground mm -hmm. and, and hold earth energy. So all of those pieces, yeah, have an anchor. That's an awesome visualization. I really like that. 
I wanted to bring in a couple of your photos. So we'll start with this one. Aw, there's my boy. His name is Manji. He's a Tennessee walker. He this this was two years ago, this photo. He is now 27 years old and still looks fabulous and still is able to pack me down the trail a little bit a couple times a week. Um, and that photo was taken at Walden Ponds Wildlife Sanctuary here in Lafayette, Colorado, um, a place that I like to visit a lot to be around um, the birds because it's a it's a former quarry site. So there are ponds all over where you see the trees in the background mm -hmm. and um, birds, oh, pelicans and egrets and hawks and the blue herons along where you can top see the top edge of the green trees there there's a heron rookery um which fortunately people can't get right up to which would be unfortunate for the herons but you can see very well and certainly with binoculars um it's a lovely area so yeah i i ride my horse through there sometimes and that was a photo taken by a local professional photographer of the two of us ah you're making me miss home bonnie oh <laughs> uh, Colorado is home. <laughs> I do. Yep. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. Colorado is gorgeous. And I, I don't know if I've been to that specific area, but I have been very close by. Uh, gorgeous, gorgeous mm -hmm. area. It is. That's a, that's a small area right in town. You know, you can drive down the main road and boom, turn off. You're there. This one is a little a bit more out there. This is just outside of Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, it is the Bobcat Ridge Natural Area. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this gorgeous land was donated by a farm family who had it. And as you can see, if you look at behind me, the, the ridge, I'm up there. There's. It's kind of hard to get the perspective, but that valley is way below um, mm -hmm. the two of us. And I, my horse, God bless him, carried me up the ridge there. So I got off and gave him a little grass and relief from my butt sitting on his back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that is a gorgeous area. And the way they set it up at Bobcat Ridge, there's trails that keep horses and bicycles separate going mm -hmm. up over the ridge so that you don't necessarily have to run into each other, especially coming down. Um, there's a lot of space, and a lot of land to, to hike, to walk, you know, walk dog on leash, to ride horses, to ride bikes in that place. It's one of my absolute favorite places to visit here in Colorado. Yes, right in between Fort Collins and Loveland. I've been there. Gorgeous yeah. area. Oh, yes, it's beautiful. And then we have Snake. <laughs> snake. Yes, this, this photo was about a little while ago. Um, <laughs> This was my first year teaching. I think I was maybe 35. Um, I started teaching as a fourth grade teacher. And of course, in my first year, I had to invite the herpetologist, the reptile specialist into class mm -hmm. to bring um, lizards and snakes and all the good, uh, good reptiles in for the kids to see. And I fell in love with this ball python and she just hung around with me around my neck for a while that day. It was, Lovely. It was very much fun. <laughs> Not everyone likes snakes nope, that much. I get the wrong way. There we go. And then the last one, we bring in wolf energy. Yes. This photo was taken a while back as well at Mission Wolf, which is in Southern Colorado. I love this photo. You've got to have this framed in your house. <laughs> I love it too. It's great. And Mission Wolf is a rescue for captive born wolves that should have been in the wild. Unfortunately, sometimes um, roadside shows and quote unquote zoos or people who think it's okay to breed and keep wild animals all find out later that it wasn't such a good idea. Right. Rescues like Mission Wolf take them in. And this was a really special experience where I was invited into the habitat um, with the wolves that they had. And I will say this just this moment this photo was taken i took a deep breath because wolves greet each other by licking their teeth i said okay i can use my toothpaste when i'm done this is totally worth it i'm going in and i was told to look directly in their eyes not to close my eyes that was hard to do with the 
wolf face coming. So look into their eyes and smile like that in order for the wolf to connect with me by literally licking my teeth. And it did happen. Wow. It was cool. <laughs> it was really, really cool. It was, I, I felt the, um, the, calmness and the respect of the wolves among each other and the welcoming mm -hmm. of me without being fearful. And that was a really special experience for me to connect. Yeah, no doubt. That is a beautiful experience. Thank you so much for sharing those photos. Super cool. I love that photograph. And, and seriously, if you don't have that framed in your house. <laughs> it's somewhere work. around here. <laughs> Very, very neat. It's a good one. Bonnie, thank you so much for sharing that. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience? Oh, yes. I would say that anything that any of us can do to become more connected with wildlife, with the environment, we know, we, we see it every day, environmental destruction, deg degradation, overbuilding, etc., comes from the ignorance of our origins and the breaking of our connection to the natural world. So any way that any people can get to a place to notice things more, a tree in your yard. I have, I have a, live in a sub suburban area just north of Denver, small front yard, these two giant silver maples. And every year, a pair of northern flicker woodpeckers nest in the tree. And this is right outside of my house, like right next to the driveway. But they're cool with my, my husband and me coming and going because they, they know we're not going to harm them. Um, but I, I think that they've chosen this place we're in because we're aware and respectful. Mm. And so just looking at the trees, how many things could we thank a tree for? They provide erosion protection, shade. They suck up the carbon. They hand back oxygen. I mean, is there anything more important to us than that? And, and the small animals around, the birds, the snakes, the fish, the pets. You know, your dog is a dog, but it's connected to the wolf origin, right? Um, your cat is a cat, but connected to the wildlife, wild cat origin. If we can just appreciate them more and have less fear of some of the wild animals that we don't interact with every day, then we'd be more likely to appreciate and protect them. And so I hope that anybody who has a question, or as I said before, um, would like to offer ideas about what they would like to see in an online course about wildlife imagery can hop on my website on the contact page and send me a note. I hate spam. I don't spam. And if I put uh, answer you, put you on my newsletter and you don't like it, all you have to do is unsubscribe. No pressure, no, no follow-up. But if people have a question or want to know more about that or want to connect with me, around the things that, yes, in, in Colorado, I can work as a therapist and everywhere else I work as a coach and I'm now designing my courses. Um, and my book will be done soon. So I'm excited about that. Tell us again the name of your book because it's so fun. <laughs> well, when you think of crazy makers, um, when I think of crazy makers, they're in early family, you know, the, the family dynamics was crazy making for me. Um, injuries, illnesses, traumas, uh, negative relationships, all those things code in us negativity. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of wonder, like, why is this relationship not working? Why I mean, do I go to a job that I like that's a decent job, but I, I hate getting up in the morning? Like, what's going on? Blocked energy around crazy makers is what we all carry and what we can move through. So the mm -hmm. title of my book is Cracking the Crazy Makers Code. <laughs> Rest, wrestling real life anxiety to win. It's yeah. about breaking that down and offering, bringing in positivity and connection that makes us much happier. I'm a very happily married person with lots of friends and a job that I enjoy and people I connect with. And I was a very different person many years ago. 
Absolutely. Connection is vital mm -hmm. to all of us. And it is uh, your, your book is something that we all need. And it is also why the Wellness Driven Life Show is here in order to share with those people and share with everyone and build the connection piece and to give tips and tricks on things that you can do in your own life in order to just show up better and feel better and be better and live better because it's just not so joyful if we don't. Agreed. And it can be better. And None it can be better. When I listened to Susan Salter you had on recently and Carmel Bell, similar themes of, yeah. you know, things that were not working well or were traumatizing or places of being stuck and figuring out ways to, Susan, presenting yourself, setting yourself to present yourself the way you want to be seen. And, and with Carmel coming through the traumas that she did, the understanding, the intuition she developed, all of that is possible for every one of us. Absolutely. We're all just people like everybody else. It's possible. It is. And Carmel Bell is going to be a guest again in uh, a week or two. And she is going to go a lot deeper into some of the traumas that she faced just being um, living the life that she has and having to show up and feel like she's needed to be a certain person for the world. And it's extraordinary, but that's what I love about having people such as yourself, Bonnie, on the show, because everybody has their journeys and some of them are more extreme than others. But what's fascinating about it is how we navigate through that and shine brighter what we did because when you come to those points of desperation you you are like grabbing for anything and you're trying all of these different things but in that process we are learning and we are gaining so much insight and wisdom you know and once we have an understanding of now we can share that absolutely and it is, it's like you use the term navigating. That's what we have to do is navigate through our lives and try things and be open to different ways of looking at the world than the ones we were coded with, the beliefs we were handed, the beliefs about ourselves, beliefs about the world around us, beliefs about other people. A lot of that stuff is really flawed. Um, yeah. And, you know, we can improve that. We can improve that. When I look back on my family of origin and see the struggles and the stress and the anger, and I, I don't that. No, thank you. No, thank you. I need a better path. And I've found one. Yeah. I'm going to, we're going to find somebody to be a guest on the show that's going to talk specifically about that. We can have an entire show on it on family origins and why we come into the families that we do, because I don't, I think it's very, very rare where anyone comes into a family where it's just lovely, right? Where it's this incredible experience. I think that that's more uncommon and that people should know that because I think so much of us think that it's abnormal when really it's more common than, than we know. Mm -hmm. So Bonnie, you have brought in so many cool things to the show and to the audience today with this animal insight and wisdom, the tapping, the breath work. Uh, we didn't go too much into that, but all of those things are things that you offer. And I want to make sure everybody knows where to find you. Your website is www.bonniebrindletherapeuticeducation.com. I'll go ahead and spell that out for those of you who are listening. It's B-O-N-N-I-E-B-R-I-N-D-L-E-T-H-E-R-A-P-E-U-T-I-C-E-D-U-C-A-T-I-O-N. That is also going to be in the description below. You can always find that. Be sure to leave in the comments what you what your takeaways are from this and also to reach out to Bonnie and let her know what would you want to know and learn about, you know, animals and learning to tap into that energy. And there's so much that we can learn from this. And it is a new concept for many people, but it's fascinating. And why not? I love it. So... Thank you so much, Bonnie, for being a guest on the Wellness Driven Life Show. 
Thank you, April. It was absolutely a privilege. When my book is done, I'd love to come back and I could actually take your audience through a tapping uh, sequence to help remove the blocks of energy that uh, will allow the positivity, the focus to come through. So I'll let you know when that book is done and I'll put out a newsletter, putting out a newsletter for it. But if anybody wants to ask a question, they're welcome to leave that with no obligation, no bother. And I thank you for inviting me today. Oh, you're welcome. We would love that. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Okay. Well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning into the show. Goodbye for now, and we will see you later.